And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, Ray Milland stars in a radio dramatization of the hit film The Uninvited on the Screen Director's Playhouse. Then J. Carol Nash stars as Luigi Basco, Italian immigrant, on part one of a comedy installment of Life with Luigi from 1949. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. How are you? Good. How you doing? I'm so good. Glad Look to be here. Look who's over there. It's Mikey Mike. Mike Estella. Wow. Fair enough. What's going on, <laughs> That Mike? works. I'm well, good. You know what? It's October, which means we're going to start mixing in some Halloween-type programs during the Hollywood 360 uh, schedule and the whole month of October. We have had a lot of listeners who are anxious to uh, get some good scary programming in, so we have been listening. Yes, we have. In fact, we're going to start things off with a very scary program on the Screen Director's Playhouse. Now, this series uh, offered leading Hollywood stars performing in radio adaptations of their popular movies with the added element of director participation. Now, the director of the film would introduce the movie and make a curtain call to chat with the stars. Big directors, I'm talking about like Alfred Hitchcock, John Ford, Frank Capra, Billy Wilder, and many others. It came to radio in 1949, lasted until 1951, and it even made a transition to television in 1955 for one season. We have an episode of the Screen Directors Playhouse for you now called The Uninvited. This was a film that starred Ray Milland, and he steps before the NBC microphones to recreate his role. Let's go back to November 18th, 1949, for part one of the Screen Directors Playhouse. From Hollywood, the Screen Directors Playhouse. Screen Directors Playhouse, star Ray Milland. Production, The Uninvited. Director, Louis Allen. The Hollywood Screen Directors present a tale for troubled midnights. The motion picture drama, The Uninvited, starring Ray Milland in his original role of Rick Fitzgerald. I woke up, five in the morning, my skin creeping, my scalp crawling. I listened. 
I heard the dim surge of the ocean at the foot of the Devonshire cliffs not far from my window. Only five o'clock. And then... I was sure now. I hadn't dreamed of appalling crying. Could it be my sister Pamela in the next bedroom? There was no electricity in this old house. I, I lit a candle. I went to the door leading into the upstairs hallway. Red! What? Oh... Oh, Pamela. You heard it too, then. What in heaven's name is it? I don't know. It comes from downstairs. It comes from everywhere and nowhere. I'm going down and search the place. It's no use, Rick. There's never anything there. You mean this has happened before? All the time you were still in London while I was getting the house ready for us to live in. But why didn't you call me or write me about it? It's our home now. It's all we've got to live in. Sounds so terribly heartbroken. But there, there must be some logical explanation. It'll stop soon now. It always dies away at dawn. No wonder we got the old place for such a low price. They tell me it stood empty for ten years before... Oh. 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 Shut up, Lou, open. It's the dawn breeze. I must have forgotten to latch up. Listen. I know. The sobbing is gone. Oh. Is that... All for tonight? Is that all? It's every night, Rick. And if I don't get some sleep, I'll die. No, no, no. Don't do that. It'll be different tomorrow night. You'll see. Oh, hello. Aren't you the gentleman who bought this house for my grandfather? Why, yes. Good evening. <laughs> good evening, I'm Stella Meredith. It was my mother's house. Well, come in, Stella Meredith. Thank you. I haven't been in this house since I was three. And I've wanted to come so many times. Then why didn't you? Oh, my my grandfather forbids it. He has some silly idea that I'm in danger. Nonsense. You shall see the house, Stella Meredith, and I shall be your guide. And this is my old nursery. Like it? Oh, how pretty your sister has made it. That's very pretty perfume you're wearing. It's mimosa. Do you like it? Oh, very much. My mother always used mimosa. She died when I was three years old. Oh. May I see the studio now where my father painted? Only it's the studio where I play the piano now. You may even persuade me to play something for you. Oh, don't stop playing, please. Very flattering, thank you. Father painted my mother's picture in this very room. You don't remember that. No. But Mother would sit on this platform wearing her soft white dress. Sometimes, of course, he'd paint the other one. Other one? He had a model, you know, a Spanish girl. People seemed to get awfully hush-hush when I tried to ask about her, though. You played beautifully. It's a serenade to Stella by Starlight. You mean this Stella? Me? And this candlelight. Oh, it's the most exciting thing that has ever happened to me. Is it? Y yes. What's the matter? All at once, a, a cold wind. Yes. Suddenly it is cold in this room. And your music's gone so terribly sad. Why? I don't know. It just came out that way. And the candles grew dim. There's a draft. <gasps> Mother was so young and beautiful and she died so cruelly. Mother! <laughs> 
Stella. gathered my scattered senses and jumped up and ran after her. I passed Pamela, standing amazed at the foot of the stairs. Rick, what's the matter? What's happened? There's something evil in it. But she was out the front door, her dark hair flying, running wildly in the darkness, heading for the cliffs. Stella! I shouted after her. Stella, come back! Shouted again, pleading with her. No, Stella, no! The cliffs, I thought. Stella, the cliffs! The cliffs and the boiling sea beneath. Stella! Whatever sinister force had driven her out of the house was now driving her to destruction on those killing rocks. The brink was only yards away, a few steps. I reached for her and my fingers caught in her belt and I pulled her back. Back from the very edge of that awful precipice. Stella. What's the matter? Matter? You were going over the edge. Was I? Why did you do it, Stella? What drove you toward death? Death? Why, nothing. I I didn't feel I was in any danger. Look below you. Oh, the sea. Yes. This is where my mother fell. Your mother fell here? By this dead tree. She, she... Are you all right? Help me. Stella. Will she be all right, Dr. Scott? She's resting nicely upstairs, Miss Pamela. Well, is Stella entirely safe up there alone? Why not? Well, in the light of what just happened... You're the one who sneers when I say this house is haunted. And everybody in the village knows the house is peculiar. Well, can you tell us anything about it, Doctor? Do you know about Carmel? Carmel? The Spanish model Stella's father painted. Oh, yes. Stella's father was in love with Carmel. It was an open scandal. But didn't Mrs. Meredith know about it? Well, I suppose she just accepted the situation. Where's this Carmel now? She died in this very house a week after Mary Meredith fell to her death from the cliff out there. Oh, she did fall then. Ironically, she fell trying to save her rival from committing suicide. Or so they say. Rick, Dr. Scott, don't you notice a scent in the room? No. Yes, I do. Yes. It's heliotrope. No, it's mimosa. Stella's mother was fond of it. Stella tells me that Pam has come back. What, Rick? Upstairs. Stella's not alone anymore. I know it. Come on. Stella. Stella, are you all right? She's gone. I'm here. Stella, darling. At the window. Now, don't be frightened. I'm not frightened. Don't you know who it is in your house? It's my mother. Your mother? Did you see her? No. But when I woke up, I... I felt her in the room. Her scent, the mimosa, it was all around. I could feel her warm presence everywhere. And I felt something else. Something I've never known in my whole life. The knowledge that someone loved me very dearly. You'd better take her home, Rick. No. No, Mother is here. She wants me with her. Your mother is dead, Stella. I know. But your grandfather will miss you. He'll be furious if he finds you here. I know, but I love it here. I'll always come back. Another time, Stella. Another time. Three, four, five. There it was again. Her grandfather was right. There was danger in this house for Stella. 
In the studio, when we'd first felt its presence, I had not smelled mimosa. But in that moment before dawn, with that awful sorrow in the house, I suddenly knew. I knew that there was a cold, cruel spirit which hated Stella, and a warm, scented spirit that loved her. There was not one ghost. Pamela, I know this. Stella Meredith is in danger in this house. She mustn't come here anymore. But she loves it, Rick. How can we possibly keep her away? By holding a seance. A seance? Only this seance will be rigged. We've got to fix it so that the ghost of Mary Meredith appears to say in effect, Stella, I'm your mother. Forget Windward House and I shall find peace and happiness. P.S. There is a tall, excruciatingly handsome man named Rick Fitzgerald who wants to marry it's you. It's wrong, and... Rick. I won't agree to deceiving Stella. We've got to break Stella this attachment to the dead. We'll rig the seance. That very night, we held the seance. We all sat around a table. Stella, Pam, Dr. Scott, and I. A single candle was burning. On the table, I chalked the alphabet in a big circle and the words yes and no opposite each other. An inverted wine glass stood in the center of the table. My stage was set. I think the room is dark enough to begin. The important thing is that we should all believe. Yes, yes, so I understand. Well, what now? Everybody puts a finger on the glass. Now, ask a question, Stella. Is there anybody here? Is anybody... The glass is moving. Yes, the glass is on, yes. Go on, Stella. Are you my mother? Yes. You don't want me to go away from Winwood House, do you, Mother? They want me to stay away. Do you? Rick, let go. You're keeping the glass from moving. I'm not. Let go, I say. Better let matters take their course, Miss Gerald. All right. No. You see? She said no. She doesn't want me to stay away. Look, look. The glass is moving. I, G, U, A, God, I, God. God me from what, Father, what? C, A, R, M, Carmel. That's enough. Who smashed the glass against the wall? You, Pamela? No one, Rick. No one was touching it. Stella. Stella. Stella's in a trance. Stella! Don't touch her. It may be dangerous. May I ask a question? No. It might help to try to reach her mind. Yes, try it. Whoever you are, are you Mary Meredith, Stella's mother? No, I see you. This is awful. I won't ask her anything else. Is that Spanish, Scott? I I don't know. Stella. Stella. She's fainted. I'm afraid this has all been a dreadful mistake. It was wrong. But she'll never be cured until this house is cured. Until then, Stella must never come here again. I won't answer it. I'll answer it. I'll go. It was Stella's grandfather in a cold, bitter fury over her presence there and her condition. I 
an outrage, you hear? An outrage. I'm very sorry, sir. It won't happen again. I warrant you it won't. My granddaughter will never enter this house again if I have to lock her up somewhere. Come, Stella. Stella was gone. But my work had just begun. I had to avert a tragedy. I had to solve the mystery of Windward House. But, but where to start? I went to see Dr. Scott. Any luck, Fitzgerald? Find anyone with a clue to what really happened here 17 years ago? No. Everyone who was here with the Merediths then seems to be dead. A trained nurse, isn't Trained nurse? I've been looking through the old case book of my predecessor, Dr. Rudd. Oh? No. At the time of the tragedy, the Merediths employed a nurse for their child, a certain Miss Holloway. Holloway? Very, very much attached to Mary Meredith. Well, is she alive? How can we find her? She runs a place on Bodwin Moor called the Mary Meredith Retreat in honor of her long dead mistress. Hospital? No, no, a mental institution. <laughs> Strange woman. Strange place. Bodwin Moor. I think I'd better have a serious talk with Miss Holloway. I shall be happy, Mr. Fitzgerald, to assist in any way I can concerning these manifestations at Windward House. Well, to begin with, Miss Holloway, I know about the Meredith, uh, Mary Meredith Carmel Triangle 17 years ago. Yes, it was the delight of the local gossips. What were Mary and Carmel like? Extraordinary women, both of them. But Mary Meredith, she was a goddess. Even her talk was lovely and sparkling. Oh, the night we sat before her fireplace, planning our lives. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She met her humiliation and her fate magnificently. Uh, about Carmel. A Spanish gypsy. Beautiful and crafty and cruel. Why did Mrs. Meredith stand for the situation? She felt the decision to end it must come from her husband. Did it? Finally. To make it easier for Carmel, they took her to Paris. Found a position for her and left her there. Then they came back here with their infant daughter. For a while, they were almost happy together. Then? Carmel came back. She still wanted Mary's husband. Then one stormy night, Carmel had been told that she must leave. This time for good. Oh, there was a ghastly scene. And finally, Carmel, in a rage for revenge, ran to the child's room and snatched her up and ran toward the cliff. Mary raced after her. In the struggle, Mary fell to the rocks below. The baby was unharmed. What happened to Carmel? She escaped in the storm. Next morning, she crawled back in the early stages of pneumonia. I had to nurse her. I see. And now, please... I must be alone. Please. What you tell me about Miss Holloway is very interesting, Fitzgerald. A fanatical, a dedicated woman, Doctor. Uh, Dr. Rudd, before me, disliked her intensely. Professionally? Personally? How? Listen to this entry from Dr. Rudd's casebook for December 10th, 1932. Called to Windward House, Meredith's model, Carmel Quesada... Double pneumonia. That tallies with what Miss Holloway told me. December 12th. Carmel Quesada, much worse. No attempt to warm her room. Found traces of snow in her bedroom. Snow? Spoke severely to Nurse Holloway. Absolutely criminal negligence. Well, isn't that a pretty serious charge, Doctor? When a man of Dr. Rudd's generation used it, it was very apt to mean murder. Miss Holloway murdered Carmel? And she was very fond of Mary Meredith. 
Perhaps that's why Stella's grandfather sent her to Miss Holloway's for safekeeping this afternoon. You mean... You mean Stella's there now? In that genteel madhouse? Well, I venture she's safe with her mother's dearest friend. Who was also guilty of criminal negligence? Oh, no. Dr. Scott, I must hurry. Be good enough to call my sister Pamela at Windward House. Say I'll pick her up in 15 minutes and call Miss Holloway, will you? Tell her to expect us. I'm on my way. Miss Holloway, when I was here before, why didn't you tell me that Stella was here too? The presence of our guests is confidential. Please take us to her at once. She's no longer here. I sent her away when Dr. Scott called to say you'd be here. But why? She was the happiest person in the world when I told her she might return to Windward House. Windward House? But her grandfather sent her here to keep her away from Windward House. She loves it so. You knew we'd be away and you sent her there? Mary will be there. Oh, you hate Stella. You sent her to her death. Mary is waiting for Stella. You're insane. Hurry, Pam. It may be too late even now. We drove headlong through the rain, racing the train to Windward House. We arrived in the early hours of the morning. The house was dark. We were on time. Stella hadn't arrived yet. And then, from the inside of the house... It's Stella. The front door flew open and Stella ran out screaming fearfully, running for the cliffs. Stella! Come back! Something she'd seen or heard or felt in that horribly sick house of ours was sending her screaming in the darkness toward the windy cliffs. I ran after her, but she was very young and lithe and driven by fear and drawn by demons, and I overtook her slowly, oh, so very slowly, as in a terrible nightmare. And at the very brink of the cliffs, I dove for her and flung her to the ground, the very brink of death, the very edge of darkness. That's the first portion of the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of The Uninvited. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to the screen director's playhouse. Nothing but a few bruises, Stella. You'll be fine. Dr. Scott, Rick, why would my own mother want to drive me to my death? Darling, whatever drove you from this house couldn't have been your mother. But it was. I, I saw her. It was a kind of a mist that glowed softly in the dark. Coming toward me, just as my father painted her. Then why did you run away? I, I don't know. Something terrified me, drew me to the cliff. Um, uh, could the company endure one more excerpt from the case book of Dr. Rudd? It's rather worthwhile. You've the air of a man with knowledge, Scott. <laughs> this entry is dated a little more than three years before the final tragedy on the cliff. 
Meredith consultation, my office. Mrs. Meredith, afraid she is going to have a child, assured her she was not. A strange, cold, loveless woman, refusing motherhood. But... Meredith, poor man, wanting a child so desperately. But they're still... Now, now, listen. An extraordinary household. Carmel, this Spanish girl, worships Meredith. Lovely, pitiful creature, all love and womanhood. Pitiful? What does it all mean? I... I don't understand. Stella, where were you born? In Paris. Where they took Carmel. They came back with their baby, or or at any rate, someone's baby. Rick. The Meredith stayed in Paris for a baby to be born, yes. But I think to Carmel, not Mary. They took the baby as their own to avoid a scandal. That's why Carmel came back, to be near her baby, near Stella. Then it was Mary Meredith who hated Stella, her rival's child. Mary Meredith, who tried to throw the baby from the cliff and fell to her death. And that's what Carmel waited here to tell me all these years. That she was my mother, not Mary Meredith. I'm Carmel's daughter. Rick, the mimosa. She's here. Oh, mother, mother, never weep again. Because now I know. Never cry again in this house where, where father loved you. Carmel. Mother. <laughs> She's happy. Mother's happy. She's at peace at last. <laughs> Rick. Rick, look. That's the mist I saw. Mary Meredith. Dr. Scott, Pamela, get Stella out of here. I was alone. Alone with the thing that drifted and floated in menacing, gesturing filaments in the open French doors. A luminous mist becoming a face that undulated horribly. A face filled with hatred and malevolence. And I lifted the candelabrum with its flickering, guttering candles. Come on, you icy fraud. If it's Stella you want, you're too late, Mary Meredith. You've tried enough to destroy Carmel's child. So much for the legend of your saintliness, and you can go along with it. Rick. Here, darling. Are you all right? All right. I am magnificent. It's so dark, darling. Never brighter. Mary Meredith. Gone forever. And I always thought she was my mother. What? Good saints preserve me from ghosties and ghoulies and long-legged beasties and a future mother-in-law like that. Now, here again is tonight's star, Ray Milland. Thank you. The film version of The Uninvited was distinguished by ghosts, gasps, moans, groans, and a very brilliant gent named Lewis Allen. Lou directed the picture, furnishing the assorted horrors out of his bag of tricks. Since then, we've done three other films together, and his amazing know-how still has me fascinated. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to meet him. My director, Lewis Allen. Thanks, Ray. But I hardly think I deserve those compliments. Why not? Well, The Uninvited was the first picture I ever directed. But, Lou, you'd been directing stage plays for years. But when I sat behind those cameras for the first time, 
I was as scared as the audiences who saw the picture. <laughs> well, how do you feel about cameras after all the pictures you've made since then? They still scare me. You know what? What? They scare me, too. <laughs> well, at least we weren't scared of the ghosts and the uninvited. Well, you know, Lou, you made everything so real for a while I almost believed in them myself. But why, there's no such thing as ghosts. Lou. Yes, Ray? What did you just say about ghosts? I'd rather not talk about it. Good night, Ray. Good night, Lou. Good night, everyone. And good night to you, Ray Moland and Lewis Allen. The Uninvited was presented through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, whose current release is the William Wyler production, The Heiress, starring Olivia de Havilland, Montgomery Clift, and Ralph Richardson. Ray Moland will soon be seen in the Paramount picture, Copper Canyon. Lewis Allen's current production for Paramount is Chicago Deadline. Included in tonight's cast were Alma Lawton as Stella, Norman Field, Mary Shipp, John Daner, Georgia Backus, June Foray, and Dan Ritz. The Uninvited was adapted for radio by Milton Geiger, and original music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. Screen Director's Playhouse is produced by Howard Riley, with dramatic direction by Bill Carn. Portions of the program were transcribed. This is Jimmy Wallington speaking, inviting you to listen again at the same time next week when we present Screen Director's Playhouse, star Dorothy McGuire, production Spiral Staircase, director Robert Siodmak. Sunday on Hollywood Calling, you may be called by motion picture stars Maureen O'Hara and Dan Daly to win a wonderful prize and crack the film of Fortune Jackpot. Make a note to stick close to your radio and your telephone Sunday for Hollywood Calling. It might be your lucky day. Listen to Hollywood Calling Sunday on NBC. Stay tuned for Bill Stern and the Sports Newsreel on NBC. And that's the Screen Director's Playhouse with The Uninvited, starring Ray Moland. Also in that cast, we have June Foray, John Daner, and Lewis Allen. That was sustained over NBC from November 18, 1949. Before we tune into Life with Luigi, I want to remind all of our listeners about our Classic Radio Club. Now, Lisa is a member of the Classic Radio Club. And what do you think about being a member? Well, I wouldn't be a member unless it was a great club for me. And the reason it's a great club, not only because of the low price, but I mostly appreciate getting a gift surprise at my door every month picked out with love from Carl. Yeah, it comes right to your door via the USPS, right? Well, that's a lot of vowels for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now the club, folks, is uh, for our listeners and you can join right now by going to ClassicRadioClub.com. And when you join, you will get your first five CD, ten classic radio shows for only $4.99. It's regularly a $39.95 value. Now, every month, I will then pick ten more shows and put those on five CDs in a collector case and send those to you as well. Now, those will be $10 more, $14.99 every month. But when you join the first time, it's only $4.99. So just go to ClassicRadioClub.com, ClassicRadioClub.com, or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. 
All right, time now for Life with Luigi. Let's go back to October 11th, 1949. This is called Columbus Day. It stars J. Carol Nash. Part one now of Life with Luigi. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carol Nash, with Alan Reed as Pasquale. When Luigi Basco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, it was a pleasure to read your last letter, especially when you're writing about when I was a little boy. Yes, it's true, I'm always was the slow one in a family. Take even a thing like America. I'm discovered it 450 years after Columbus. <laughs> Tomorrow, Mamma Mia, all Americans are going to celebrate the Columbus Day. You know, it's a lucky thing for Columbus. He's decided to discover America in 1492. Because if he's tried to discover it today, and he's got nobody to bring him over from Italy, he's never going to get past the immigration department. <laughs> Mamma mia, if Columbus could only see his America, how it's a look today, he could not recognize it. Everything is a change. Instead of a little cabins, is a buildings. Instead of a forest, is a roads. And instead of a wild Indians, is a traffic cops. <laughs> also, Columbus would be surprised to see such a big inventions like the radio, the telephone, the airplane, and the greatest American invention, the hot dog. <laughs> but tomorrow is going to be a big day for me. All of the night school classes, they're going to have a Columbus Day exercises in the main high school. Every class is going to do something. And my class is going to put on a play, and I'm going to be Columbus. Of course, some are not really going to sound like a Columbus, because I'm a speaker English. It's too good. <laughs> well, I'm finishing this letter later, Mamma Mia. It's a time now for my night school class, and I'm going to hardly wait to see what is it like. This play my teacher, Miss Pauling, is going to give us. Quiet, please, please. All right, I'll call the roll. Mr. Basco? Here. Mr. Horowitz? Here. Mr. Olson? Here. Mr. Schultz? Miss Balding, you are beautiful, you are wonderful, you are simply gorgeous. Well, Mr. Schultz, why that sudden outburst of affection? Because I didn't do my homework today. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, you know that every time you come in without your homework, I keep you in after school. Now, why do you insist on coming in unprepared? Miss Spaulding, you want I should answer you in front of company? <laughs> Mr. Schultz. Hey, don't bend you, Mary Schultz. You make me so mad. Our fine city spends money, so you should get an education, but you just waste it. Now, look at me. I'm looking. I give up evenings with my family just to come to school. I, I give up gymnastics. Uh, give up bowling. Olsen, why don't you just give up? <laughs> oh, please, please, let's have no arguing. Mr. Schultz, I'm keeping you in after school. Ah, she still loves me. <laughs> That's enough, Mr. Schultz. Now, class, as I told you last week, tomorrow we're holding the Columbus Day ceremonies at Franklin High. Uh -huh. 
And I don't suppose we have to review the facts about Columbus' discovery. That's right, Miss Spaulding. Everybody knows he discovered America in 1492. Thank you, Mr. Basco. Don't thank Luigi, thank Columbus. <laughs> I have here a copy of the little sketch you will present tomorrow night. Oh. It runs only three pages and it concerns Columbus' trip to America. Uh, Miss Spaulding, if I may be permitted an interruption... We all accept the fact that Columbus discovered America. But the real truth is, someone else did before him. Olsen, how can you talk like that? But that's a fact, Luigi. A fact? Olsen, sometimes you're not so smart. I'm sorry, Luigi, but someone else did discover America. He's right, Mr. Basco. What? Who did it? Another Italian. Amerigo Vespucci. <laughs> oh... Uh, you know, Olsen, you're really smart. <laughs> For a minute you were worried, eh, Luigi? <laughs> well, uh, well, I'm sure I know, Olsen is never wrong. <laughs> oh, as a matter of fact, class, uh, Columbus discovered America by accident. He was really looking for a shorter trade route to the Indies. Olsen, I bet you could even tell us where he looked like. Yo, I can. Yo, according to the books I studied, Columbus was a medium height, rather stocky, black hair, with flashing gray eyes and a tiny scar on his shin. If anybody sees this man, notify the police or your local... <laughs> I would like us to make a fine showing tomorrow night. Our principal, Mr. Petrie, will be there, as well as Mr. Campbell, head of our board of education. You know, the night school session is his pet project. Don't worry, Miss Paulding. We'll do a fine job. And I'd like to delegate somebody in the class to supervise the presentation of the Columbus play. Miss Paulding, who's that going to be? Oh, Mr. Basco, I was thinking of you. Me? I'm a spoiling it. It's too big an honor. Go ahead, I see you have the backing of the class. Now, here's the play. Now, you assign the parts. I'm sure you'll have no trouble memorizing it. It's very short. Miss Spaulding, I got a bad memory. I can't remember lines. Well, you have to play some part. All right, then make me the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Horowitz, do I detect an error? Did Columbus come over on one ship? Certainly, the Mayflower. <laughs> oh, Horowitz, even I know better. Was three ships. That's very good, Mr. Schultz. Suppose you name them. With pleasure. The name of Columbus' three ships was the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Anita. <laughs> well, you knew the first two, but you guessed at Santa Anita. At Santa Anita, what else can you do? Hey, Miss Spaulding, Miss Spaulding, when we're doing a display, can I give the patch to anybody I'm alive? Oh, yes. It's all your responsibility, Mr. Basco. Now, you put those pages in your pocket and don't lose them. And I'm sure I'll be very proud of you tomorrow night. Oh, don't worry, Miss Spaulding. You will. We'll be a knockout. Oh, like they say in Hollywood. Gigantic. Oh. <laughs> Gigantic? Why, we're going to be so sensational, they'll make us put on a Thanksgiving Day play, a Christmas play, a Lincoln play, and on July 4th... Yes, the Schultz. A legal holiday. We take the day off. <laughs> Gee, my friend. 
Hello, Luigi, hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. Hey, Pasquale, guess what? Tomorrow I'm gonna be Columbus. What? Sure, he's all decided. I'm gonna be Columbus. All right, Luigi, and I'm gonna be Napoleon. <laughs> now, let's us two nuts go out and talk to the squirrel. <laughs> You don't understand. You see, we're going to have a Columbus Day play tomorrow. It is in my pocket, and tomorrow morning, Schultz, Horowitz, and Olsen, they're going to come to my store, and we're going to rehearse. Oh, wait, wait. Slow down, little banana nose. <laughs> Any of you ashamed of yourself? A big fella like you. Marriageable age. <laughs> Acting in a play like a little schoolgirl. Huh? Luigi. Instead of fooling around with that a night of school, with that two and two is a four, and three and one is a five... Well, you wait, Pasquale, you all are wrong. Three and a one is a not the five, and three and a one is a four. Three and a one is a machine oil. Don't tell me about that. <laughs> Instead of fooling around with this baby play stuff, you should have been thinking about your home, your wife. Pasquale, what are you talking about? I'm not got a home, a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi, this can be arranged. No, no, Pasquale, please, I'm not talking now about your daughter, Rush. Why not? And don't tell me because she's weighed 250 pounds. <laughs> Luigi, sometimes you don't use your ignorance. <laughs> Think of this. What would you rather have, a skinny, nervous, underweight wife or a big, happy, overweight wife? Pasquale, I'm like a nice medium girl. You're going to take what I got. <laughs> but please, please, Pasquale, I'm going to go now to my store and figure out who's going to do what in my play. All right, go, go, go. Look who's going to play Columbus. You look like more like one of the barnacles that was out of the ship. Pasquale, I'm going to be a good Columbus. Now, if you excuse wait, me... Wait, wait, Luigi. Reason you don't want to marry Rosa, that's because you don't spend enough time with her. I'm just a thinker. Why don't you put her in your play? You get to know her better, you begin to like her. No, Pasquale. Don't talk so fast. There's <laughs> a part for a girl, a Columbus, is to go to Queen Isabella. Rosa's is a beautiful. She's a looking like a Queen Isabella. She's a looking more like the Queen of Mary. <laughs> Now, Pasquale, no, no, don't push. I'm going to go to my store now and take the three pages and copy out all the parts and... What's the matter, Luigi? Pasquale, Pasquale, my play, I'm... I'm going to have it right here in my pocket and now it's missing. Luigi, don't be stupid. How could your pocket be missing? <laughs> Not in the pocket of Pasquale. Not in the pocket of my play. Where is it? Where it could it be? Search me. I mean, uh, go look. <laughs> I don't know. Mamma mia, it's terrible. Maybe I'm a left in the trolley car. I'm going to go out to look. Pasquale, if you find the please, let me know. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm going to let him know. I'm going to let him know nothing. Come on, out of Papa's pocket, little Columbus play. My, my, three beautiful pages. Six beautiful pages. Twelve beautiful pages. Eh... Uh, What's the difference? There's a lot of pieces. And so, Mamma Mia, I'm in a terrible trouble. After I'm left to Pasquale last night, I'm turn to Chicago upside down looking for my play. Near the school, I'm going to see a cop and I'm going to say, Please, did you see my Columbus play? Cops said, Try the handball court. Maybe he's there. <laughs> But the cop is no help, so for hours I'm walking around in the streets looking and looking and looking. 
All I'm a fan of was a two pennies, a high bounce ball, and a one a Charlie Tensor for a good till a 9 p.m. Easter band. <laughs> Again, I'm a keeper looking. In a gutter is a sidewalks of garbage cans. One old lady is a follow me for two blocks, and then she's a put a diamond in my hand, and she's a say, you poor man, I take a this for a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm a tell a lady, please, you got a wrong idea. I'm a no selling a coffee. Anyways, the morning now, I'm a tired from a no sleeping, and any minute of my friends are they going to come in to rehearse the play that I'm a not the guy. That's the first portion of Life with Luigi from October 11th, 1949. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, next time it's part two of Life with Luigi with Columbus Day starring J. Carol Nash. Then we'll rocket into the future on X-1 and a great Ray Bradbury story from 1955. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.